Howdy folks, this is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that into the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. Friday, I got to do something uh, that is just the highlight of, of my existence, other than it comes in a distant second to doing what God has me to do, but I got to go work cattle with Diamond and Paula, and I mean, everything went really, really well. Um, there were no actual wrecks. There was one potentially bad wreck. You can ask Diamond about that if you want to. Uh, anyway, we had a good time. Griffin got to go with me, and we, and we moved cattle, and I mean, it was just a great, great day. The weather was beautiful. The cattle were fat. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. And I didn't think it did until I had one of Paula's hamburgers. And it just kept getting better and kept getting better. And so we get in the truck to leave and we go home. And I knew that the horsemanship clinic was today or was yesterday. And so uh, y'all know me, I always turn my horses out. And, you know, I did have to catch Fiona out of a tree again. I'm going to start having a horse gathering every time I need to use them, so y'all be expecting to call. And uh, anyway, so I was going to leave them in the pens, and so there's really no water. We don't have the electricity turned on down there, so I've just got my Miller uh, welder generator on the, on the trailer down there, and I've got it certifiably electrified with an orange extension cord cut in three places with everything shoved into the right holes. And you just turn it on, and the pump comes on, and there's water. So, you know, Ace and Fiona, they, they had worked all day, so I needed to get them some water, so I turned them out in the pen, and I went and, to get the welder and went, oh, man, it's dead. So I had to go get the jumper cables, because who was, carries jumper cables in their truck, right? I mean, doesn't everybody else keep their jumper cables thrown on the ground out there by the tree, the last place they used them? So I gather, you know, I get in the truck, and I head up Mount Everest, and I go up there and I get the jumper cables and I turn around and I go back down there to the welder and hook everything up. And, you know, I don't know what it is about uh, engineers. They make it, they're like, how could we make it nearly impossible to hook up jumper cables on this? And so I finally, and my jumper cables are about the length of my pinky. And so I had to get the truck right up there next to it and I get it all hooked up. Nothing. And I'm like, good grief. So I open up the deal and I look in there. Sure enough, it's bone dry. So I have to unhook the jumper cables. You know, horses are standing there like, come on, idiot, we're thirsty. And so I get up there and I drive back Mount Everest because who keeps gas where you need it? I mean, everybody keeps it right there by the front door, right? For lighting the barbecue pit, the propane barbecue pit, right? I guess I'm the only one. So I grab the gas can and I put it in the truck and I drive back down there. And you know how your blood pressure starts to go from about 120 over 80 to about 4,020 over 9,000? But I'm, I'm smiling. You know what? It's been a great day. I ain't going to let this happen. And I got down there and anyway, I get the gas can and I put gas in it. And finally it took me another 
I got the jumper cables hooked up this morning. Um, no, it, it took me another 20 minutes to get the jumper cables just right. And nothing. So being mechanically minded like I am, I did exactly what Gary told me to do. I got a hammer. <laughs> Figured something was stuck. Hit it with a hammer hard enough, you'll unlodge something. That's the extent of my mechanical abilities. But I do know what a fuel filter is. And so I took the fuel filter off and I blew in it. And it worked pretty good that way. So I turned it around and, and you're not supposed to suck in on a fuel filter. So I got a mouthful of gasoline, and so I put everything back together, and nothing. So I'm like, something's not right. I've got starting fluid. If starting fluid won't fix it, nothing will, right? You can spray that on an open wound, and it'll fix it. So, but there's a problem. The carburetor was on this end, and the starter deal's on this end. So I had to rig me up a little pulley cable to spray the starting fluid and pull on this, and that took about an hour. And so I'm back there, and I'm spraying it in there, and then and it'd fire right up and then die. So I thought, man, I'm just going to hook it up and just put it on go on that starting fluid, we'll just run it on starting fluid. <laughs> Is that not supposed to work? It does work, I promise you. you gotta got to regulate that, that starting fluid, though. A little too much of a good thing. And so anyway, I'm over here spraying and turning and everything, and the blood pressure is going up, and then it happens. I hear tires sliding on gravel, and I hear Cara yelp. And I turn around in time to see Cara get run over. And she came running over to me, and the lady was just going to drive off, and I stared her down with the preacher stare. And she stopped, she got out, she goes, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, I tried to stop. And I said, it's not your fault. And so she got in her car and left, and so Cara's sitting there holding one leg up, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm fixing to have to put my dog down. You know, sometimes the best of days can turn into the worst of days, just like that. Two weeks ago, we talked about ride like you can't be thrown. We need to ride for God no matter what happens, no matter how scared we are, no matter how thick the brush gets, we got to ride for Him. Last week, we talked about swinging like you can't miss. We talked about spreading the gospel, how we can't be timid in our approach to telling other people about Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about shaving your head and handing out tracts at the mall or anything like that. I'm just talking about living your life and not be ashamed when somebody says, how are you doing? Saying, I'm blessed by God or whatever the case may be. We're talking about living intentionally for Jesus Christ not accidental Christians. See, you're never going to get into a situation where you're going to be walking along and suddenly you're going to stumble and fall and end up in heaven. Accidental Christians don't go to heaven. The Scripture, Jesus says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and didn't we drive out demons in your name and didn't we do all this other stuff? And Jesus is going to say, get away from me, you evildoers, for I knew you not. You can't accidentally be a Christian. You may do accidentally some things that Christians do, but we're talking about living intentionally for Jesus Christ. Not just going... I mean, we've all heard the, the, the old saying that the, uh, the sun shines on a dog's butt every now and then. I mean, honestly, we can do some really nice things, but just because you do a really nice thing that Christians do doesn't mean that you're living intentionally for Christ. In John chapter 10... 
Verse 10 is one of the greatest uh, illustrations or warnings that Jesus gives us. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Is that, uh, is that an example of, do you feel like your life is absolutely brimming over with fullness? Or do you feel more like inside you'd never admit it to anyone, but do you feel hollow inside? Do you feel like nothing ever goes right? Do you want to live that full life? Because Jesus says it right here. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The devil will try to steal your happiness, your joy. He will try to kill your faith in God's goodness. Isn't it funny how a lot of times when things go right, we're just like, man, life's great. Blah, blah, blah. Life is great. But then as soon as something bad happens, we go, why did God let this happen? God is good all the time. But that doesn't mean that your life is going to be uh, absolutely a bed of roses where we get to French kiss unicorns and eat Skittles all day. Okay? But a lot of Christians think that that's the way life's supposed to be. I'm a Christian. You know, we get to, you know, play skippity-doo-dah with Rainbow Bright. It's not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't have a full and happy life. The devil will try to steal your happiness. He will try to kill your faith in God's goodness. And he will try to destroy your hope in God's redeeming power. Does that reflect some of the way that y'all are feeling? Does it feel like you have no happiness despite a smile that you might put on your face, uh, a firm handshake that you might try to give somebody? Are you absolutely faithful that God is a good God? Or are you walking around trying to keep from getting struck by lightning? Because that's the view that you have of God. If I, if I just walk softly and keep underneath the highest thing, maybe I can make it to heaven without getting struck down by God. That's not God at all. That's the way the devil wants you to view God. Do you have hope in God's redeeming power? Do you have hope that God wants the best for you? That He'll be there even when your day turns to crap? He will be. Two things that the devil has convinced us. The de Jesus Himself says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Two things that the devil has convinced us. Here's a question. How much of your unhappiness comes from people, events, or circumstances not going the way you want them to go? I would venture to say that 99% of our stress, 99% of the circumstances, the events, and everything that happens in our life is a result of something didn't go the way that we thought that it should go. And we let it completely ruin our day. Would you rather be miserable or would you rather be faithful? Do you want to be able to laugh even if it ain't funny? Do you want to be an intentional Christian where you walk around with an intentional joy, with an intentional peace, with an intentional happiness? Or do we just walk around waiting for the sun to shine on us for just a second so that we can be happy and then we go back to our miserable lives. Miserable because people, events, circumstances, other things, welders don't work. Dogs get ran over. Are we going to walk around being an accident waiting to happen? There's a news flash. This may come as a complete shock to a lot of people. But you cannot control anyone or anything. 
I am very, very sorry to inform you that you have exactly this much control over anyone or anything. But we do have control over how we deal with it. We can let it absolutely destroy ourselves. We can let it destroy our day. We can let the thief come and steal our joy, destroy our happiness, steal our hope. Or we can make our minds up that no matter what happens, I'm going to deal with this in a positive attitude. Because I guarantee you, (laughs) poor Kelly, uh, she had texted me some stuff, and after Cara got run over, I tried to text Christy to tell her, and I accidentally texted Kelly, because she was the last one that had texted me. And so I was wondering why I didn't hear back from Christy, and then finally this text came in that said, "Uh, try again. I was like, oh, well, Kelly probably didn't want to know that my dog got ran over. So I, I retexted uh, Christy, and then she called immediately. And I was sitting by my truck, fixing to haul water down to the horses, and I was at a precipice. Does anybody else ever feel like you're right on the edge of a cliff, looking out? And the easiest thing in the world, what you want more than anything else, is just to give in to that temptation and just step off. Because that's what most of us do. But an intentional Christian is going to say, you know what, I don't have any control over welders. I don't have any control over cars that hit our dogs. I don't have any control over anything. But the one thing that I can control is how I deal with this. And so instead of getting mad and beating something, kicking something, cussing something... And I was right here. I wanted to give in to that temptation so bad. But instead of falling off in that pit of despair, the why me, I chose to praise God. And I stepped back. And I guarantee you, praising God in that situation was a lot more difficult than doing the swan dive into despair like we usually do. And I don't think that I'm the only one that does that. As soon as something goes wrong, we immediately abandon all of God's promises. The devil has convinced us that we have control. And then the welder breaks down. And suddenly we're not in control anymore. And then your dog gets run over. And suddenly we come to the stark reality that we are not in control. We must go from attempting to control situations and people and start controlling ourselves. Jesus said that we must die to self. What does that mean? That means you have to overcome your natural reaction to just blow stuff out of proportion and just let one little circumstance or a group of circumstances absolutely rob you of God's promises. And we do it time and time again, but not only do we do it, we do it willingly. Some of us are long jumpers. We'll jump out there in a heartbeat. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we say, you know what, God, I would rather stay in despair and despondency and just filth and muck than to enjoy your promises that you have come that we may have life and have it to the full. Why? Because we think that we are in control, but we're not. Does every... Paul said that we must offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We must die to self. Folks, here's another newsflash. It's not about you. It's about God's goodness, and it's about love. And sometimes whenever we intentionally practice Christianity, 
it's going to be tough. I guarantee you it's a lot easier to fly off the handle than it is to step back and exercise patience, control. It's the only thing that you can control is how you react to something. Believe it or not, and you've heard me say this before, but for y'all that are new, unbeknownst to medical science and everything that you've believed up until this point, you will not explode if you keep your mouth shut. It will not happen. You do not have to throw the wrench across the pasture unless you're trying to get the horse out of the tree. (laughs) Jesus said we must die to self. Pick up your cross and carry it daily. What's that cross? You're not in control. Isn't that the original sin that Adam and Eve had? They attempted, the devil said to both of them, Eve was tempted in the garden, but make no mistake about it, Adam was standing right there when it happened. Okay? And the devil said, if you eat this, you will become like God. Don't we do that every single day? We try to become like God and control everything around us, everyone around us, every circumstance, just looking for a place to explode. No longer do we need to do that. You can't do that if you want to have a full and abundant life. Does everything, every little thing that go wrong, does it ruin your day? Are you a control freak? I can call each and every one of you a control freak because the person up here that you're listening to right now is a actively recovering control freak. (laughs) I didn't say I mastered it yet. Somebody asked me today, they said, how's your morning going, preacher? And I said, I'm just getting sick of God expecting me to practice what I preach. Folks, if you think that I step on your toes, you should see the two-by-four God hits me with every week. Every week. But we do have a choice. We do have a choice. Instead of trying to control everything, just control how you react to it. Only God can control everything, and you ain't God. You're not. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that, but you're not the center of the universe. You can't control everything, but you can control how you act. The devil will try to kill, steal, and destroy you by convincing you that you can control everything. And Jesus has come that you may have abundant life. And the only thing that he asks us to control is the way we react. So that was Friday night. You want to hear about Sunday mor- or Saturday morning? Saturday morning, I get up. I don't have to chase horses around. That's not true. There was no tree in the pen for Fiona to climb. So I snuck up on her like a cowboy ninja pounced on her like a cougar, got her caught and everything, and the, the colt and, and a horse that we're keeping for a friend were outside, and we loaded the horses up, because we're going to the horse clinic, me and Griffin are, and Riley and her friend that stayed the night, they got to get to, to uh, the Smith's house at 8.15 for breakfast burritos, and uh, we, does anybody else run late for everything besides <laughs> us? So we're running on time, everything is great. We load the horses up and the other two horses that are out, they want to go real bad. So I pull up to the gate. Riley gets this little bag out. She said, I'll keep the other horses in. I said, okay. So I get in there and Griffin opens the gate and we start to pull through and here come the other two horses and Riley is doing the ninja samurai chicken dance. (laughs) Trying to keep those horses out and you know what they did? And went right out the gate. And so I jump out, and I get in front of him, and I went like this, and it didn't work. He didn't speak this. We're going to have to teach you that. So they wanted to go with the horses real bad until something else was better. 
like that long, narrow pasture running between the deal. They got four feet outside that fence and went <laughs> with afterburners on. Riley and Jesse have to be to the bus in about 10 minutes. And there goes the horses. You know how tempted I was to go, I don't know whose horses those are. <laughs> Does anybody else ever have God whisper in their ear? It'll be okay. Just go get them. go get them. I don't want them to die. I just want them to go to heaven. So I turn, and of course, everybody knows this truck I bought. We didn't put it on there, but it's got like this exhaust system on it. It sounded like an F-14 Tomcat. So I get past them, and it's a race now. I mean, their tails are just up, and I'm pulling a trailer and everything, and I get in front of them. And I pull into this person's driveway, and I bail out, and Fiona doesn't have her saddle on, but Griffin's saddle is on ace, and it's about this big. <laughs> so I jump on ace, just like you see in the movies where those guys just swing up, except mine was like... <laughs> I'm backwards. I'm not as young as I used to be. 26 will creep up on you. <laughs> so I get on ace, and those other horses, they come up, and they're like, hey, hey, you're back, you're back. So I start trotting, and I tried to put my foot in them stirrups. <laughs> you English riders, God bless you. <laughs> you are a sadistic bunch. <laughs> so I have my old legs down like this, and me and ace go to trotting down there, and suddenly those other horses in this other pasture were a lot prettier and more entertaining than us. So Griffin has to run like a mile down there to get behind them, to push them. And we get up there. We get the horses back in. Now i got to lope back. And getting Ace to lope is about like pulling teeth out of a bear. And so I'm on Ace, and I got him into the fastest trot you ever seen. Have you ever seen anybody as good at that paddle ball? That's what he was doing with my hiney. And of course, there's cars coming, so you don't want to look like an idiot, so you just sit up there like it ain't no big deal. <laughs> so I get back down there, and we throw the horses in, and we close the gate, we shut the gate, and we back out, and we pull up there, and we get Riley and Griffin. And I've never been so proud of my daughter in my entire life. We get in the truck, and we get going down the road, and she says something. God takes a metal baseball bat and uses my daughter and he hits me right upside the head because you see, whenever I was going like this, I might have said the real word, not dang it, I might have said the other word <laughs> when they ran past me. And so my blood pressure's up here. We got a horsemanship clinic to get to, ranch roping clinic to get to, horses are out, volleyball game to get to. And we get going and Riley says, you know that devil's already trying to ruin our day, but I ain't going to let him ruin my day. Shh. <laughs> it would have been easy to complain and gripe and bellyache about what's going on. And that's usually the easy way out. Honestly, assess yourself with this question I'm fixing to ask. Are you a complainer? Are you a complainer? Complaining does three things 
real, real good. It steals your joy. It kills hope. And it destroys relationships. Sound familiar? I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go by BarryWardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, 303-324-8217. WesternLLC.net. Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. Double H Heating and Air, 303-669-8911. Integrity Auto Repair, 303-621-2845. And Comanche Creek Enterprises, 303-619-7030. Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information.